This week on First Issue Club, we cover Champions and Conan the Barbarian, both on Marvel. So sit back, my pretties, and get ready to enjoy some comic book goodness. (laughs) Hope everyone had a good holiday. Yeah. This is the First Issue Club podcast, the comic book podcast where we cover first issues only and weekly. We are a reading club and we love to lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky waters that is the comic book world. We're going to try to use uh, the word landscape less. We got reamed for it by Matt because we used it so many goddamn times. Yeah, we're saying it too much. Too much landscape. All of us actually used to be landscapers in uh, previous times of our lives so it that creeps up in our like vernacular a little bit yeah, what a waste of a college degree huh mm-hmm. yeah yeah now 2019 is we're going to use things like world industry realm realm uh the, the, milieu footprint yeah that's good landscape uh, oh wait sorry no <laughs> cornucopia um the comic book cornucopia <laughs> smorgasbord oh yeah. okay i'm Bu- into that comic Bu- book buffet buffet yeah mart <laughs> okay, I think we've reached the end of the, <laughs> the names we can call it. Uh, yeah, but we're back. We're excited. We got we have a bunch of we keep on saying this. We have a bunch of different things we're gonna try out this year. We got a lot of comics in our houses. We got a lot of nerd shit in our lives. Um, and so I'd like to know. We'd like to know who's in the club today and uh, in the holiday, whichever holiday you celebrated. Uh, what's the best nerd thing that you acquired? This is Greg Lichtai, and it isn't really a gift that I got, but over the holiday break, Caitlin and I, who sadly couldn't be here today because she is nursing a pretty bad cold, we went to what we thought we were going to an estate sale with my brother and his wife. It turned out to be an auction, and the reason we went is because my brother was like, well, sometimes they have like boxes of comic books there that are pretty cheap, so that initially piqued my interest. So we went to this auction, and I found a box in the corner that no one was really rooting around in and I flipped through it and it was a bunch of old Batman adventure like the the animated TV show that uh, was a comic book and in there was um, number 16 which is the first appearance of Harley Quinn and if you know anything about that book it goes from anywhere from $300 to $1,000 and I about pooped my pants (laughs) because I didn't think I would ever see it raw in the wild and I bid on it and I Bought the whole box for $25. That is such a good story. Is the most insane thing that's ever happened to yeah. me as far as comic Didn't you books. bid twice because you were so nervous? Uh, yeah, I almost gave myself away. Because, like, I've never been to an auction, and it is, they go quick. Like, they're just mm-hmm. like, and I bid $25, and he said, and so then he goes, like, next bid is 27 27 27 And I thought someone said, I thought that meant someone bid 27 I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go higher. And they go, we already have your bid for twenty five. We're looking for twenty seven. <laughs> One normal bid here. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. As I'm just sweating profusely. Oh, actually, actually, I'm let me just win it. let me just give you two more dollars. Just I'm just throwing cash at the auctioneer. Yeah. It was it was uh, nerve wracking. My heart was racing. It was. What I was, would you What would you have gone up to? So Caitlin and I talked about it, and uh, so the thing is, like, this book sells for that, but you have to find the people to buy it 
mm-hmm. for that amount. I, I when after you got it, I saw it consistently selling for like three hundred. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. So I, uh, we, I was like, uh, my cutoff's fifty. I'm not gonna pay fifty, more than fifty for a book I could maybe sell. Yeah, but luckily it didn't come to that. So I feel like at that point, once you hit fifty, I think other people are probably just gonna start chiming in and being like what is what's in there yeah you know what i mean yeah you'll just have random people starting to bid because it's like there's something worth having. yeah this guy's doing something i want to be in on it yeah this budget king not shout out to a&m comics in miami you were supposed to be the oldest comic book store in miami and you were terrible yeah this store is fucking bonkers <laughs> so uh had a terrible experience there um if you're in miami there's plenty of other comic book stores don't go there um, I don't understand why comic book stores like that exist. But uh, to try to mend my wounds, I went to a, just a generic vintage stock, if you guys have those around. They just had like lots of old comics that were just really fairly priced. And so got a bunch of old Spider-Mans and, fighter- and Fantastic Four and some Uncanny X-Men stuff, and I got the first appearance of Vulture. Four? Five dollars. Five dollars. <laughs> That's the kicker. Yeah, not a bad deal. Yeah. So yeah, for five, they were all mostly four and five dollars. So shout out to Vintage Stock <laughs> <laughs> for not knowing what you have. Yeah, or knowing honestly, maybe knowing and not caring and just pricing stuff. That's yeah. the thing about yeah. Vintage Stock. Either it's like a crazy deal, or they have a huge price tag on something that does not deserve to be two hundred dollars. I feel like they're pretty good about getting beat up stuff and saying like. Yeah, this is a key issue, but we're not going to sell something that's like would be graded at a four yeah. for more than like 10 bucks, right. which is just like for people like us that are just going through boxes, it's cool to grab that stuff for, oh, a, yeah. for a fiver. And that's Instead what... of somebody like Mike's experience, like <laughs> having a guy look a book up on eBay while you're waiting at a checkout counter and getting charged the price for like a mint condition. Book that's and like, it was a modern book too. Oh, so shitty that he just like hadn't filed yet, and it was stuff that I'm just like, I don't even want this. It doesn't like, even seem fair to do. Well, it's like here, here's the thing about that: open up a fucking eBay online store. Why have a brick and mortar then? Right. Yeah. Like, you, you, no customer service, no way of actually like. Part of the fun about going and digging in boxes is the digging and finding something. The hunt. Mm-hmm. Like I spent, I spent about a hundred dollars at least, around in uh, vintage stock, because it was like I was having a fun experience. It was like I was going to the gambling boats. <laughs> like, see, it, that's what it is. That's what that fucking auction was. I was like, I am like hooked now. Yeah. I fucking want to do this more. Um, and then it was like, yeah, it made, made my day. But if I have to like go and like you're just, it's going to be the same transaction of eBay, like why? You just got some long shot stuff. I did. That was an eBay purchase. I got the first run of Long shot, a handful of first appearances in that, including Mojo. Dope. Um, so I'm excited. I've never actually read that original Mojo run, so I'm excited to pop those open. They're, the first issue is in pretty good shape. I don't know if it rese- resells for anything like decent. It may have. Long shot's kind of been a buzzworthy character lately, and so yeah. is Mojo. Yeah. So I've bought issue three twice. Yeah. For four and then six dollars. Uh huh. So I I think it's not. Good holding on to. Yeah. And then it might shoot up. So I'll read them carefully. Yeah. <laughs> Get your comic book gloves on. Uh, so my name is Mike DeStacy, and the most treasured item that I got over the holidays was I treated myself to a gift. 
I follow Nick Bradshaw on Instagram. He's an artist I really like. He does a lot of really cool custom commission covers for people on the blanks that you buy in your comic book shop. Always liked his art. Never really knew what he did specifically. Uh, but he said, hey, I've got some original stuff up on my website. I went and looked. And it was the Mojo book that Scott Ackerman wrote for X-Men Black. So he That's had some, so awesome. I loved that book. I'm a huge Scott Ackerman fan. So I thought it was really cool to get one of those pages. He was selling them for what I considered pretty cheap for an X-Men first issue mm-hmm. original artwork with some key characters in it that I really like. So Well, and you showed us the page, and it is exquisite. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Like, the line work that is on that page is just out of this fucking world. It makes you really appreciate those um, artist editions that they do, like the large 11 by 17 format oh, yeah. books that yeah. show the original artwork instead of the finished product comic itself. Um, you really have a greater appreciation for artists and what they do in storytelling once you get the original art, I think. It's kind of hard to step back from the finished panels and get an idea for their talents. Something that's also is pretty a novice comment, but when looking at all of your cell or p- panels that you have, I forget like how much the colorist does. Sure, like mm-hmm. it just like really makes it an icon or makes it pop and stuff. Because yep. normally the illustrator is just the line work. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, good sounds like a good holiday for everybody. Yeah, good well, hauls. Yeah, what when, a when, when we first said that question, I was like, I don't know what nerd stuff I got. But the holidays about getting things and getting yourself things. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> We're all cons- this is honestly that's the heart of what this podcast is about is consumerism. It's totally true. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Consume, consume, consume. Lose money, lose friends, lose life, die and the end. Nothing. Death. Yeah. Be reborn <laughs> as a richer man or woman. Yes. Yeah, can't take your paper with you. Mhm. That's why you need to have children. Because you, <laughs> so you can just give it to them. Yeah, you live eternally through giving your paper to somebody else <laughs> until they throw it away. Mm, yeah, man, had I inherited paper, uh-huh. this type of like important paper, when I was like fourteen, I definitely would have just brought it to a shop and been like, oh, "I need more video games." Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would have been the idiot that like sold something for stupid, a dumb price. Yeah. Let's get this podcast started. 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 We got Conan the Barbarian coming back on Marvel Comics from Jason Aaron and Mahmoud Asrar. So uh, Conan the Barbarian, one of the more familiar, maybe just fantasy titles in general, Marvel's published it as a comic, not always a Marvel comic. I'm going to quiz you guys a little bit since this is a comic that has a fuck ton of history, okay? It was originally a book series published in Weird Tales in what year before Marvel published it? You can get the right, like, 10-year spectrum. 1960. I'm going to uh, say 40s. It was 32. Wow. Whoa. Conan been around for a while. When did Marvel actually get around to publishing it? 
what, like 60s? 70s? I'm going to guess 60s. 60s? I feel like the old Marvel books I see in boxes look 60s era. Yeah, they're like magazine sized or yeah. something. Good good job. It was 70s. I think it was 70s, oh, okay. actually, exactly, on, oh, okay. on the nose. Uh, okay, before that, Marvel was publishing a character pretty much the same as Conan. You want to guess what the name was of this uh, character? It wasn't Gru. <laughs> it wasn't Spider-Man. Okay, so it's a character similar to Conan the Barbarian. Was it... Uh, you could just say words together, like letters together. Monan Barbarian? <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Snard the Fisherman. Oh, Snard the Snard? Fisherman. Oh, I love that story of Snard the Fisherman. <laughs> uh, it was Thongor. Oh, okay. Now that you say it, I'm wondering if that sounds familiar or not to me. And I almost said, oh, yeah, I know that. And then I realized you could be making that up, and I would look like an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Thongor. Any more brain teasers? Was there a real Conan the Barbarian ever? No. No, fictional character. You are right. That is that is the correct answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, boy. Well, now, there was a Cable in real life. <laughs> <laughs> we just haven't met him yet. Oh, heady. <laughs> uh, hang on. We got one more. Um, oh, oh here we, we should have scored this. You should have revealed the answers at the end. Yeah, like a BuzzFeed quiz or oh, something. Oh, this is really, this is, you're going to love this one. Mm-hmm. How heavy was his sword? How heavy <laughs> was his sword? Now, we doing like kilos, oh, sorry. And, weight. And, okay, and just so you know, not his father's sword. His sword. Oh, well, that changes the whole yeah. dynamic here. <laughs> uh, pounds. Everyone knows the oh, okay. weight of his father's sword. I, I thought it would be like a metaphorical, just like, yeah. the weight of the fears of a thousand <laughs> orphans. <laughs> Which equates to about 85 pounds. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say 300. 666 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you guys said, shit. He said 666, and you said 100. I said 300. So he said 300. <laughs> 8.5. Which oh, eight point five pounds, <laughs> which is four four times four times the amount of a normal sword weight. Yeah, what? A real sword weighs around two and a half pounds. Okay, so we went another route. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we thought Conan had superpowers. Look at that fucking sword when he it's huge. There's no way it's just eight point five yeah, pounds. Give me a fucking break. Well, if it's made of the finest ores, I mean, yeah, maybe you're right. I guess it's probably better for a sword to be super light. Yeah. But, oh. like, what? The, the, I forgot one that I was going to do for you guys. Yeah, okay. it, it is way better for a sword to be light. But th- there's no, that sword has to weigh, like, 20 pounds. Yeah, we're probably measuring. 20-pound sword? Oh, my God. Just the blade. What does a bat weigh, like a baseball bat? Uh, like, a couple pounds. Really? Yeah. Okay, so 8.5 is a lot, then. Well, how much do bats weigh? <laughs> They're not very heavy. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, Aren't you the bat expert? I don't Come weigh on. bats. <laughs> That's your day job. I yeah. weigh bats. <laughs> you, you swung. Hi, I'm Mike. I weigh bats. Of the three of us, you've swung the most bats. Aye, that's fair to say. What do you think? When you're holding that baby in your hand, what would you assess the yeah, weight? It's got a good meaty heft to it when I'm wobbling <laughs> that in front of the plate. I'm going to put it at a good four pounds. Okay, so Conan, pounds. Co- Conan swings two bats. He's like the, the on-deck hitter. <laughs> yeah, totally, Wait, yeah. we, I have to look this up How much a baseball bat weighs Because this is bugging the shit out of me How much does a baseball bat weigh 
We're gonna see how much your it weighs. Could it be one pound? Could it be two pounds? It could be ten pounds. We've got no idea. Does it matter which era that the bat comes from? Is it made of oak? Is it made of mahogany? Is it painted And I have the black? answer right here in front of me. 31 ounces. Uh, <laughs> what did that mean? That's like two and a half pounds. <laughs> so somebody said that on the fucking nose. I think Greg did. Uh, two pounds, maybe? In 1969. We're still doing the Conan quiz. Oh, okay. Conan I don't want this to end. If, <laughs> if this podcast could just turn into uh, Budget King quizzes, Mike and Greg, uh, yeah. I would show up every week and not give a shit if anyone listens to it. This yep. is fun. Yep. In 1969, Conan the Barbarian was a movie, and who played Conan? Oh, this is the easiest Arnold question. Schwarzenegger. Yes. Okay. And also, uh, um, um, James Earl Jones was in that movie. Dear God, you guys... You got my next uh, question was, there's another popular character that comes out of issue 27 of this comic book who's now a titty mag girl. Red Sonia? Yeah. yeah. She's actually getting a new series coming out, and I think um, either Erica... Oh, I'm going to fuck up her name. Doesn't matter. Uh, has a female writer for like the first time in a long time. That's good. That is good. Conan's got a rich world of history. So thank you for that. to say, yeah. Yeah. All right. Marvel Comics proudly presents Conan the Barbarian, The Life and Death of Conan, Part 1, The Weird of the Crimson Witch. Caitlin would be proud that we read the entire subtext and, like, following text of all this. She would. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in this version of Conan, by the way, Marvel probably released, I think, no less than, like, about 10 variant covers. Stop doing that. <laughs> stop doing that, and then also st- us stop buying them. We're not helping. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the key to this problem. Yeah. I bought two covers, and I thought about buying three. And that's that's where I fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jason Aaron is no stranger to writing this type of um, fiction in Marvel. He's writing Weird World. There's the word weird in one of these titles, so maybe they're going to connect. Conan the Barbarian is a moralist barbarian. That's the word barbarian, I think, why we use that word today. Are you a barbarian, some people might say? And that would mean you have no morals. Um. <laughs> or just the morals of a barbarian. Uh, I just walked into a philosophy class. <laughs> uh, Taught by Budget King. We were fucked. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so uh, Conan is uh, caught himself in a... Uh, Battle Royale, where he's uh, constantly killing people, massacring people, um, just for the thrill of doing it. And he always gets his reward in half cash, half booze, baby, which is how I've managed to get my paycheck as well. Um, (laughs) So some things never change. Uh, in history, yeah, and uh, a very, and I'm talking like very pretty. I I would even call her iconic, uh, looking lady <laughs> comes up, um, and and says, "You got any more energy?" And and obviously, for those who don't know the um, like entendre or whatever, she's talking about sex. So they go and they have sex. Lo and behold, she's a witch, and she poisoned him and brings her down to her dungeon, and where she's gonna sacrifice him to this beast and Conan is distraught but (laughs) I I would be I think I don't know if he's more distraught as much as enraged there's a scene where they're having sex and she turns into like a decaying corpse essentially Mm -hmm. she's not a beautiful witch she's not a pretty witch so on, on that subject matter I was actually thinking 
Mm-hmm. Would you date a, a thousand-year-old witch that could be as pretty as uh, said person here? But you knew this was her true form? Yeah. If I didn't have to... Well, it depends on I she... guess ultimately I'm open to anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Is she beautiful the on the inside? That's what really matters. Yes. No, it seems I like agree. it seems like she has no she's just she's pure. Okay, so you're hatred. saying would I date this person in this comic book? <laughs> well, okay. That is if not it... only heinous on the outside, but just <laughs> devoid of any goodness. <laughs> no. I think you missed the question. If uh-huh. if Caitlin was really a haggard thousand year old witch with who only like goal was to feed a demon. But she's your beautiful. But she's uh, my Caitlyn. Yeah, has all the same quirks yeah. and humor and all that. Yeah, and she's able to like put on a good tie for you. <laughs> <laughs> like she keeps work at work, and yeah, she's uh, we have our home life as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, same. Ditto. Wouldn't, wouldn't bother me in the slightest. No. Yep, I could deal with a corpse bride. I mean, I'm not <laughs> oh. too good to look at. So, oh, good corpse bride. I like that. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, let's get back to the story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any anyway, um, that that happens. That's like the first half of the story. The second half of the story is he's being barbarian king. He's uh, you know slaughtering people, and then he sees some children. Being the hero that he is, he's like children should not be dragging dead people around and trying to harvest their bodies. Number and- one rule of barbarian morals, <laughs> apparently. Yes. Any children dragging around dead bodies, you need to correct that. Tut, tut, tut. And I was also like harvesting dead people. Like for what? Yeah. yeah. Well, what like, do you do with dead bodies? Well, I, and then it, then it shows that yeah. they they were in cahoots with the witch who he thought he had killed. Yeah. Um, and they actually successfully by the end of the book, spoiler, and this is a big book. You're gonna get your full five dollars worth here. They capture him. They stab him in the back, and they're taking him. Two children and uh, head head droopy uh, thousand year old witch. Um, Conan is in a lot of shit. He's in the shit, as we would say. Mm-hmm. He's deep in it. A lot of action, pretty straightforward Conan story, I guess, except for that Conan seems a little more mortal here. He's It's pretty hack-slashy normal when I've seen here's, it. Yeah. Here's what I really appreciate about this book. The beginning half of it tells you a story that's classic fantasy comics. It's Conan getting away from the scary demon creature by the skin of his teeth after, like, a gruesome battle. Like, all that stuff that you'd see in, like, vintage fantasy. And then it's followed up with, like, repercussions in, like, a real-world sort of situation, which I think is Jason Aaron kind of using the witch coming back and saying, like, oh, I'd seen it in the cards that you were the one who was going to... Or the bones, she says. I've seen it in the bones that you're the one who dies here. Oh, yeah. And she comes back, like, 40 years later or whatever after he thinks she's dead. Mm -hmm. And there's actual follow-up to that. It's not just like a leave it as a singular story and, you know, going forward we'll probably get a more seriously toned story with actual repercussions rather than those old fantasy comics. Right. That's good. Yeah, and, uh, kind of passing of the torch to a new way of telling stories. Yeah, it, do, it does. It brings – so that was going to be my next question is does is, – is this is like – actually bring it back in a way that seems like it's going to get new fans and is going to carry on like a cool story. Arc. Well, I thought I read that this is a limited series. Like Jason Aaron, this is like maybe a six or 12 part series that actually tells moments in Conan's life, which we see now. We see flashbacks from younger Conan to King Conan that we have at the end of the book. And um, so this may just wrap itself up in a tight little bow in about a year. So it's going to be an interesting uh 
storytelling process because in the beginning they they spell it out for you this is the story of how Conan dies. So at New York Comic Con this was one of Marvel's big announcements though was that they're bringing back Conan. Mm-hmm. Um so even if it does wrap itself up in a 12-part series, I think they're going to sprinkle him in Marvel now. More. And there's already they've already announced spin-off series to this book. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, One of the weird things about Conan, like Thor, I guess, is that it's old enough that Marvel doesn't own all of the rights of Conan. So I think they're not quite as interested in things of it. Because it's anyone it, else could make a Conan yeah, movie. It's a little it, the literature oh yeah, predates it. Hmm. Um so I, I say Thor only because Thor is a mythological creature, but like the the costuming of Thor they own. Yeah, well this is basically Thor, but he can't shoot lightning bolts out of his eyes. Which, yeah. What's like, what's the real difference between Conan and Thor? I think that Thor's a god. And has all well, like, I mean, all like, that. take take the God thing away from <laughs> Thor. <laughs> take the singular most important thing <laughs> yeah. out of take, the equation. Take what, what makes Thor <laughs> Thor <laughs> away from him. <laughs> He's essentially a blonde Conan. He's a guy. <laughs> He's a dude. <laughs> okay, if you're saying the statue and, like, how they look, yes. But I think... Not, you're not... You don't want this response, but I think Thor's <laughs> a little bit about being an alien on Earth. But... Yeah, know. he's like a man at a time. Uh, well, okay, he's, he's put, been displaced, and there are other people who aren't speaking the weird. That's fine. Like, that's fine. Put Conan thing. in New York City today. <laughs> of there's the question. Yeah, same thing. Okay. Are they same thing. Yeah. Are they the same thing? Yeah. 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 Bring, See, Conan is from Earth. We'll say, time traveler. Compelling argument, Greg. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This is a complete okay, so copyright that, infringement of Thor and. So that Conan. Is, that is an interesting thing, though. Like they don't, I, to my knowledge, I don't think they really fuck with bringing Conan into the. Marvel Universe at all, like to present day Marvel, New York, all that kind of stuff. No, that, I don't think yeah. it makes sense. That'd be like a, a real Crocodile Dundee kind of story, <laughs> which we've seen that twice before. We don't need to. I would love it. I, I think it would be great. I don't know why. that. I don't need to see Conan ordering a kebab on the street. I do. Conan's been a character that I've just never been interested in. And I think it's asking a lot to demand a new audience to be interested in this. Now, I'll say that we know... Jason Aaron writes Thor, and he writes Thor really well. Yes. These are similarly written big fantasy epics. Mm-hmm. So uh, I trust Jason Aaron. I know he's probably going to do a really good job with this. Yeah. He, but he's also he's talked ar- about in a lot of interviews how he's a big Conan fan. Yeah, yeah. but he's but we're also Marvel's also already kind of serving the market of big fantasy with the Thor run already. Mm-hmm. So I could see this being a, a really, really great book, but I don't know that it'll sell super well, to be honest. So I, it might be like a classic in like trade or something once it comes out in the end, and we're like, man, this was a killer story. It is, it is high fantasy though, so it's like set in the time period of it with like all of the same science and rules of it. Right. So it's a little bit of a even more of a niche world. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of like for those fans of all those Marvel books that are like, they actually marveled this year in the eighty their eightieth anniversary are going to release a lot of those like old stories that they used to do that were like westerns, war that like were just comic books about, like, adventuring mm-hmm. and weren't necessarily about superhero stuff, um, if mm. you're into that kind of, like, comic book stuff. So uh, here's the other book before we uh, bail on this one. Savage Sword of Conan coming out in February, written by one of our favorites, Jerry Duggan. Oh, so oh fuck I'll yeah. I'll certainly be picking this up. The, colors are, the covers are done by Alex Ross, and, I mean, oh, my God, the preview art they showed is just insane. So I'll Who's, pro- who's I'll, the artist for that book? Uh, Ron Garney. 
Okay. Not familiar. Me either. Sorry, Ron. Yep. This book did not disappoint. I think it lived up to my expectation, um, or our expectation. Violent, fun, fantasy, um, and then really cool cliffhanger. So um, fun to see where this book goes in this new series. Yeah. Next up, we have Champions, number one, from Zub and Cummings. Champions, if you don't know, is basically Avengers Jr. It is the younger, up-and-coming crew of teens, early 20-somethings, banding together to solve the world's problems. This iteration is helmed by Miss Marvel. You got Miles Morales. You got Braun, who is a Hulk uh, offshoot. Uh, Viv Vision, which is from the wonderful Vision um, a book that came out, what, four years now? Four or five years? Oh my god, it's crazy, but probably. Yeah, one of the still the most prominent books that came out of Marvel in the last decade. So many young and diverse characters wrapped in this team, and let's get into it. So we open with the champions split into three different teams solving three different problems. This is the first time that Miss Marvel is the quote-unquote leader of the champions, so this is her first foray into making sure everything goes right and everything uh, happens the way it's supposed to on these new missions. Uh, There is uh, scenes of them stopping a sex trafficking ring. Uh, There is them helping out uh, storm victims uh, from a hurricane, it looks like. In Japan, or my, um, that might be a tsunami, and then there's also a uh, a monster attacking. Um, I believe it is Dubai. So we have these teams doing different missions in different countries, uh, much like the Avengers do quite often. That's essentially what the book is: is these young people coming together to form this team, so deciding what their roles are in the team and what it means to be. A team. What did you guys think? Team. 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 And final thought, team. Yeah, I think it really did just serve as like a a way to pull them apart into bite-sized chunks so we could be introduced to like the insane amount of characters that are part of this. Um, Yeah. This isn't even the full roster, which we find out from the book. Yeah. They they have a... They're more of like a coalition of like rotating heroes. Right. Yeah. And they, yeah, the way that they like... They go into some hero forums to get backups. Yes, a chat room. Yahoo chat room. (laughs) Very modern. Called Champions Forum. (laughs) ASLP. Are chat rooms coming back? Is that a thing? I hope not. Uh, Maybe. I thought for superheroes at least. Oh, for superheroes definitely, but for the normal everyday people, um, I don't think so. I don't think it's nostalgic enough. I guess what's, what's taken the place of chat rooms? Snapchat? Private Snapchats? Probably. Chat roulette? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, chat roulette. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever go to chat rooms? Yeah. Now that we're talking yeah. about it? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. They were at the height of their popularity when we were, what, like 14, 13? That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. When we had uh, Instant Messenger. Yep. AIM. AIM. I was on them on uh, Napster a lot. Napster had chat rooms? Mm-hmm. For whatever genre you were into. Really? In- All I did was uh, just get viruses. Industrial. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, guys, while my Rammstein downloads, what are you guys up to? <laughs> yep. Big big Nin fan. <laughs> Nin. Killer. That's, that's Nine Inch Nails for all you noobs <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, so what did you guys think? I mean, this is, uh, like I said before, a very diverse and young group we have here. Uh, a little different than kind of the normal books from the big two. I'll say that the last run of Champions, I picked up a handful of issues. Doug Allwright, obviously there were 
characters in that that I was familiar with already, so it was easier to invest myself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe part of it was just that this book was more of an intro than anything else, but it struck me as a little more YA. I was a little disinterested in it. Mm-hmm. It might truly be for that younger audience looking to acclimate themselves with superhero type of comics or, or Avengers style team superhero type of comics. You know, do you disagree? I, I don't know. I, I didn't until you said that. I didn't even think about it as, yeah. a, as a younger book. I thought that what the one of the narrative problems they had doing here is their team is so big, and they really want to get at this these internal politics that are happening in the team. Miles Morales was the leader. Now Miss Marvel is the leader. Like they want to kind of do that, and they didn't give enough. They didn't. Just, they frankly just didn't have enough time to yeah. deal with like all of that stuff that's happening there. So that would be my one criticism of that is that there's just so many characters, it's going to be hard to like figure out what the the team drama is. Yeah, Yeah. I guess guess one of the good things is that there is a lot of drama, which is something that you look for in a team book is is the given the overall story arc that there's crazy relationships between all these characters. Well, here's my question. So the champions, they truly are like high school, early college-aged individuals. Right. Who the fuck is the chaperone to this? Well, that's the same. And where do they get their funding? It's like, well, like in the X-Men, like they have the young X-Men team, but there's Kitty Pride just like kind of looking after all of them. But like this is truly just like. Well, it's the same thing with Teen Titans, which I think you made the comparison before on our. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On our text chat. Yeah. Um, you're I, right. I think they've made an effort at the, in this at least to make like their rooms look a little like dormy dingy. Yeah. To give it that vibe of like. But also there's, like, high-tech doors <laughs> and, like, a weird, like, hologram thing. But who knows? By the UN, maybe? The UN. <laughs> is, is funding them. It could be Marvel UN. Yeah. That is a good point. Like, why? Yeah, how do they get together? Because they're not in... Like, well, obviously the chat rooms. Yeah, okay, there you go. Chat rooms. Oh, maybe they had a Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, like a GoFundMe mm-hmm. or something. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and Indiegogo for... Um, them doing this stuff. It's the logistics like these that I just don't really think about when I'm reading <laughs> these comics. Well, when this the, when the story's like this simple and basic, it's easy just yeah. to be like, okay, well, that's pretty straightforward. What the fuck? How do they get like all this money to do all this stuff? Yeah. Two timeline questions I have for you guys that um, if you hadn't read previous Champion stuff might be a little bit confusing. Um, so Viv and Riri um, had a relationship a little bit there. Okay, so you're talking about in the previous champions, like 27, Viv, who is the quote-unquote daughter of Vision, mm-hmm. uh, kissed. Oh, well, let me backtrack. Viv is a robot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> let me first say that. As close to human intelligence as you can get. but Probably still, more so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kisses Riri, who is a human. Mm-hmm. So you got that kind of uh, uh, budding relationship, perhaps. Riri didn't. Reciprocated. She was kind of caught off guard. And and Viv, even though she is a robot, probably identifies as a lady. Yeah, I think uh, I read somewhere that like her programming, like she chose a certain gender identity and uh, some something along those lines. Oh, that, I'm impressed. There's that much like backstory and thought into the characters. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Gender so, selection. So Riri's figuring out. I, I'm not sure she had thought about A, being into a robot, or B, being into a woman right. at this point. So she's figuring out a little bit of her own sexual identity. Yeah. Uh, so that happened previously. Another thing, um, Miles Morales is possessed. 
Yeah, so at the end of the book, <laughs> we are greeted by Mephisto. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Who is the demon who, and Michael had to back me up here, is he the demon that basically deleted Peter Parker's <laughs> backstory? The infamous demon. Yes. I think you're right. And so it's interesting that he's back into play because nothing really good comes from that character. He yep. always gives you like a deal, but like the deal's always like, yeah, uh, the uh, it's not what it always Ooh, seems. Is he gonna erase something from Miles' past? Thus, the phrase "dancing with the devil," which yeah, for this book, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't mention that. Well, one of the funny things was that. Wait, is that actually what it's called? Oh, I don't know. I was just I thought you read it and you said it was. And I was just saying that phrase, like oh, that's why they say. Dancing. Well, now I look stupid. Again, I was. This is this the kind of theme here is like linguistics, like barbarian. Oh, oh, I got you. We're pretty, one of Budget King's things is being totally rando. He's like such a <laughs> rando sense of humor. Is there a name to this? Uh, no. When society became disillusioned with its heroes, no nope. next generation. That was it. As I rip this in half, <laughs> it's okay. You can fingerprint it like they did. Mm. <laughs> it doesn't have one. It's just champions. Champions of champions. Yep. Champions. Oh, beat the devil. There you go. Beat the devil, part one. Beat the devil, not dance with the devil. Same diff. The devil's dandruff. Ooh, what is that? Cocaine. Oh, is it really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) One of the interesting things about this book to me was that we introduced a bunch of new diverse characters, but... The drama we focused on was that of characters that we're already very familiar with and storylines that have already been produced. So we've got the tension with Viv and Riri, and then Miles and Miss Marvel have a little bit of tension with the leadership or mm-hmm. whatever shit that Miles is going through, and he's not involving Miss Marvel. Are these technically- disservice to all the other characters they introduced? Should it have been like a way to get us excited about another character while you've got us here? Would you guys buy a second issue with this? I'll buy. I'll probably buy the first run. Just because the first Champions run from like 2016 was was just really, really good. I'm a sucker for any like teen adolescent story. Uh Uh, So I was really excited about this and I've been looking to try to get back into or to get into Champions in general. Yep. Um, So I'm, yeah. And I think it was well written enough that I would, I would keep going with it. But your question was like, did I need all these other stories? Um, I think they kind of, they, have a lot to do with yeah. all, so many characters. I'm not sure if we're even going to get them. They might be red shirts. That's what I was kind of wondering. Are you excited about like all these other role players that really just have a name at this point? They, I kind of am. I think they. <laughs> I think they did it right because if they went into backstories for each of these new characters I don't know about, this book would be a hundred pages long, and I would be so overwhelmed and confused that I I I would appreciate just like a one person intro each book. I feel like what I would have liked is to be given a little bit more of a focus on a side story of like one of those characters. Yeah. Like yeah. give me something interesting to hang on to one of those new characters. I, mm-hmm. I think that we get a little bit of like it it does some of that in the fighting scene. Like we know that like Locust is like super like she's repeating her own line. She came up with her tagline and she's like very like hero driven. Yeah. yeah so uh, one one last thought. I think as the book continues we'll get deeper into the characters and who they are. Yeah. Uh cool. That's a sode. Oh no, is that going to be a new thing for 2019? Yeah. That's a sode. Baby. That's a sode. Baby.
That's, That's a, a sod, baby. Do we add baby there? No. That's a sod, just like that. Mm, you so ask try just it one like more time, but time. like you're the dot from the Seven Up ad. Okay. Not the sewed. Yeah, that's yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a catchphrase cool. right thanks, there. Thanks for telling me the bring up the dot, <laughs> the spot, <laughs> the spot, the spot. Oh, is it spot? It's seven up spot. Sorry yeah. to correct you guys. Oh. Um, anyway, that's a sewed. Uh, we got a first issue podcast episode now in the can. First one of January 2019. If you didn't know, it's 2019. Set your clocks accordingly. Get back to work. Buy some comics and join our s- podcast. We are going to take you for the ride of a lifetime. Thanks for listening. We recorded in KCR 89.3 Studios. Our music, ca- our music, music cast <laughs> music is from uh, uh, Primary Color Music. We are produced by Matthew Hodap, and we are part of the Found City Frequency family of podcasts. We are on all social medias. Please, 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 please rate us between four and five stars and give us a review. Anything else? That was great. Yeah, you nailed it. Speedy. Uh, This has been Budget King and uh, that's a sewed. That is now your new catchphrase for 2019. (laughs) Get it tattooed on you somewhere. Well, just got a tattoo yesterday, three days ago. So, Which one? I finished a pterodactyl with some jean shorts. Where? Up here. Oh, you have to show me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Greg Lichtai. I will mirror what Budget King said. Rate, review, share. We're on all the social medias. There should be no reason why you don't share us with your friends and family. And if you don't, shame on you. And upon saying that, this is Greg Lichtai signing off. I'm Mike Stacy, and I will mirror what Budget King also said. That's a sewed! <laughs> 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 Bye!